This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. I can photograph dogs. I can talk about dogs. I can help other people build their businesses and and build their creative skills in this industry as well. And it's just, um, yeah, perfect, really. I'm absolutely loving it. Welcome to the Portrait System Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and this show is here to help you succeed in the world of photography and business, to help you learn to become financially free doing what you love and so much more. With over 1 million downloads, countless photographers have taken what they've learned from both our episodes and from theportraitsystem.com, and they have grown their businesses, quit their day jobs, and are designing a life of their dreams. We keep it real and share stories about the ups and downs that come with running a photography business. You'll hear real-life stories of how other photographers run their business, and you'll learn actionable steps that you can take to reach your own goals. Thank you so much for being here, and let's get started. Hey guys, now is your chance to check out all of the incredible photography education we have available for you at theportraitsystem.com. For only $7, you will get access to over 1,000 videos, including pricing, posing, marketing, lighting, sales, inspiring photo shoots, self-value, and more. Yes, you'll get your first month for only $7 when you become a pro member, and you'll get access to the full download library with posing guides and workbooks and so much more. Also, this includes a pricing calculator, a studio startup timeline, our weekly live broadcasts, including Sue Bryce's live talks, access to our private members-only Facebook groups, special discounts on photography products, and so much more. Head over to theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7 to get your first month for only $7. That's theportraitsystem.com and enter the code PODCAST7. This week, my guest on The Portrait System is Craig Turner Bullock. Craig is a pet photographer who has had a very successful career for many years, so much so that he has an average sale of $2,800 photographing pets. Craig splits his time between private client work and also commercial work for companies that have something to do with animals and pets. In addition to Craig sharing all about how he runs his business and how he finds his clients, we also talk about the benefits of having pets and how incredible it is that animals can help us to get through hard times. Okay, let's get started with Craig Turner Bullock. Hi, Craig. How are you? Hey, Nikki. I'm great. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for being on The Portrait System. That's no problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, I actually, I learned of you through Richard Wood. And because we were, okay, so we added the pet category. I feel like we might have started with pets as a category in the in the Portrait Masters Awards and Accreditation. I think I think that was one of our 
main early on categories. Anyway, so a couple years ago, Richard was like this, like one of the most amazing pet photographers in the world. We need him on our judging panel, you know, to start with pets or whatever. And, I, and we all were, of course, in agreement. And then that's kind of when you came on my radar and I started learning all about just your incredible pet work. Yeah, good old Richard. Thanks, Richard, for that. Um, <laughs> I've been absolutely loving um, jumping on and doing the judging with the awards. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really cool, um, especially, you know, now that we offer the feedback, being able to read the judges' feedback on on different images is really, it's really cool. Because I think, well, we'll get into this, but, you know, pets are a whole different beast. And, and they're just little things that I think can make the image, it's like the little details that can make the image of, of an animal go from, oh, that's pretty good, to like, wow. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's um, it's been really cool just to see which you know in the top twenty galleries, you know, throughout the last however many years, and yeah, it's been really interesting. Let's talk a little bit about your your background with with pets and animals, because yeah. just reading reading a little bit about you on your website, it sounds like animals have been part of your life like since you were just a little boy. Yeah, yeah, they have. Yeah, I guess growing up, we only ever had one family dog, um, Lassie, who we had at home when I was very young. And then since then, I've always had other animals. I I had parrots and I used to um, breed and hand raise parrots when I was in my young teenage years. Wow. We had, you know, hamsters and gerbils and guinea pigs and rabbits and lizards and snakes and all sorts of things. So I've always been surrounded by animals. And um, I don't know, I guess really for me, they were my cure for loneliness growing up. I was really lonely and quite depressed as a child. As a young teenage person on a very small island, it was pretty tough growing up, different. Um, I always looked different. I always acted different. I knew from a young age that I was gay and I was bullied for that a lot by my teachers, by other mm-hmm. students. And so I would just retreat into my little world of animals and music really and um Mm -hmm. yeah I started getting into photography in my art classes at school and really I I had no desire to create images of people or anything like that it was really all about animals for me always and so after I left school I worked in a bird zoo bird gardens and I was the head keeper there. And really, that's when I started taking a lot more images, more just as record shots of the behavior and, and what was going on at the time with the birds and things like that. And then sort of, I think about 1996, so this is a long time ago. I've been doing this a while now. Um, about 96, um, the bird gardens closed down. I went to work at Boots which anybody who's been to the UK will probably know Boots. It's a big kind of chemist department store. And um, I worked in the photo lab there and I I learned processing and uh, reading the negatives to make color corrections and that whole kind of color theory stuff and all of that. And then I started taking on photography jobs as as a side gig in about 1998. And at that point, I just took any job that you know, people would pay me for or Mm -hmm. even not pay me for that people wanted me to do. 
again, very quickly realizing that portraits at the beach with families and weddings were not what I wanted to be doing with my, my photography career and my spare time. Uh, can um, I yep. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I've been pets only since 2001. Wow, and, over 20 um, years. Yeah, and more than Incredible. 20 years ago. Yeah, it, it's just crazy, really. It, it seems to have gone by in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because I think I think sometimes people have this passion for any it could be anything. You know, in in, in your example, it's it's animals, pets. And to be able to take that passion and turn it into such an incredible career, to monetize something that is so important to you and something that helped you through some pretty shitty childhood times and to be able to you know, turn this into this really amazing career, it's awesome. It's really yeah. great. I think, you know, I think a lot of us creatives definitely come from a difficult place. That creativity starts in as a way to deal with some kind of trauma or difficult times or, you yeah. know, so yep. um, it's really interesting. I love talking to other photographers about their backgrounds and, and finding out, you know, about, about that. And I don't know, I guess because I'm so open about mine and, and you know, my history and things that people feel maybe a bit more relaxed and open with me as well in return. Yeah. And, and yeah, just talking to people, you know, uh, other pet photographers, you know, so many people that I talk to in the pet photography industry have got, you know, similar stories where they had hard times as a child, that they went through difficult stuff, that there was illnesses or losses or some other thing and animals were their comfort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, their safe space was at home with the dog or whatever it might be. And and I think that's just a testament to the the power of animals and, and oh, of our is. pets, really, you know, and and those relationships and those bonds that we have with them. Mm-hmm. My my husband has talked about how he, he just in third grade, you know, second and third grade, that age. So what are you, nine, eight and nine years old? He said he didn't have any friends. Like his dog, he was so painfully shy that he couldn't bring himself to speak to anyone at school. Yeah. Dog Sheba was his only friend, you know, yeah. and he would come home and Sheba would be the one that was there to love on him. Yeah. It's, yeah, they, they are. They're the most powerful. I mean, I was a cat. I had cats growing up. I had my cats for 18 years. And I mean, they really changed. This is going to sound kind of weird, but it, my cats like changed the trajectory of, tra- trajectory of my life. Like I re- always really wanted to go into the Peace Corps. But when I was... You know, let's see, I graduated high school in 95. So this was like 97-ish. I considered filling out this Peace Corps application and I looked down at my cats and I was like, I have no one to take them if I go to the Peace Corps. So I just didn't go because of my cats. You know, it's like, and I have zero regret, zero regrets of that. But it's just really interesting how cats can play such a significant role in your life. Yeah, well, even now it's like you know, planning, planning lots of travel, and I've got he- heaps of um, big plans for for the rest of this year, and mm-hmm, you know same. all of that, and and looking at um, looking at my my two boys, my two cats, and and Ralph, my dog, like leaving them for months this year is oh, going to be really so hard. hard. It's um, so hard. We we lost one of our boys just before Christmas, and oh, yeah, it, it's really. Um, it's such a challenge to to go through that and and then think you know we we've got one of our well both of our cats are getting on a bit now as well mm-hmm. but one of them is also diabetic so 
you know, we don't know how that's all going to go and and if, you know, if he'll live a normal life for the rest of mm-hmm. his life. I mean, he's been doing really, really well, but, you know, it's just one of those things you just don't know. And I'm like, the last thing I want to do is be away and oh, one of them no. go. And it's it's so hard to to find that balance, isn't it? It um, really is. And I promise we'll stop talking about depressing pet stories, but my our dog is 13, <laughs> Sunny. And Dan and I got her, I mean, before we got married, we've been together, let's see, 16 years and she's almost she's almost 14 and the other day well I guess it's been two weeks now she just fell over and and couldn't get up and I was like what is happening because I mean she's she's half lab half poodle she runs around like I mean yeah she's older you know she's slowed down a little bit but she is still kicking and all of a sudden she just fell over and I was like what is happening so I rushed her to the vet and I thought her hips were done and she had some has some sort of they call it like vestibular disease where it's kind of like a vertigo type situation but it's not going away so they think it could be a brain tumor and we are just like yeah no we're not i don't even there's no way we would put her through brain surgery she's almost 14 years old and we're not going to go like a chemo route so we're like okay how can we how can we manage this can we just keep giving her this like anti dizzy medication cuz when she takes the medication she's like 80, 85% okay. So that's what we're doing. And we're just hoping for the best. And exactly what you said, I have a ton. I'm coming to New Zealand to see, you know, for ends at IPB. And I have to be away. And it's like, oh. Yeah, it's it's so hard. And, you know, this is one of the reasons I think you you speak to any pet photographer and it's it's a huge part of why we do what we do. Yes. You know, we don't have our pets with us for as long as we would, would want them to be. And, um, we all, as pet owners, go through a loss of a pet at some stage. It's just inevitable. Mm-hmm. And to be able to celebrate that legacy that they leave with images um, that, you know, that you have on the wall forever, mm-hmm. it's just so, so special to be able to do that for people. It really is. So, Craig, what would you say, because I've had people say to me, I really want to, I just want to photograph pets. I don't want anything to do with humans. I just want to photograph animals, but I, but I don't know how to do that for a living. Like there just aren't enough clients out there for for me. Have you heard people say no, that? Let me tell you this: um, <laughs> there is an owner behind every pet. Yes, you yes. might not be having them in front of the camera, but you still are going to have to deal with the pet owner. Yeah, that's a, that's a really I've good point. I've joked so many times about what I'm going to start doing is I'm going to go and pick the animal up from the house. I'm going to go and do the shoot and then I'm going to drop it off when it's done. I don't want to be in contact with the owners <laughs> very much or as little as possible. Um, but the reality is that, you know, that that whole process that you go through on a session, you know, having the owner there makes the animal much more at ease. Oh, it, totally. uh, or n- nearly always anyway. There are cases when, you know, it doesn't. Um then, you know, the owner being involved in the experience and, and seeing the, I don't know, the magic that happens on the session where, mm-hmm. you know, oh, my dog will never sit still and you say sit and then it does what it's told and <laughs> they think you're some kind of magician, but really they're just doing it because, oh, somebody strange is telling me to do it and I don't know if, if they mean it or not. But right. when my when my mum tells me to sit, she still gives me the treat whether I sit or not, <laughs> right. you know. So so that's the kind of reality um, behind it. So we do have to still deal with people. Yeah. Yes, we yeah. might not we might not have them behind the camera. Um, you might just you might really be absolutely 
pets in front of the camera only. Or, you know, you might want to um, photograph those bonds between between the pet and the owner. And that's something when I started, well, I think when I started, nobody was doing pet photography. So I used to get really weird looks and, and questions and strange reactions when I said I was a pet photographer. But as time has gone on, it's gone from, oh no, I don't want to be in any photos at all, ever. Don't you dare put me in a picture from an owner mm-hmm. to uh, a lot more owners wanting to be part, part of the images in some way uh, as well. So um, I, th- I think you just have to decide what works for you. I-, I quite like capturing that bond. And I think that's a really special thing to be able to do. But that's not what I want my main focus to be on. So you know, I curate what I show on social media and things. So it's just images of the animals. I don't want people coming to me going, hey, I saw this photo of this family with their dog and I want to do a family session with you. You know, I'm not a family photographer. I am a pet photographer. So I just put out there what I want to get back, you know, and then I ask clients um, at their consultations, you know, do you want to be in the photos? Do you want to be in them, but in the background out of focus? Do you want to be having candid shots? Do you want some posed shots or do you not want to be in them at all? So I give them like a, a, you know, four options basically to give me an idea of how involved they want to be and how much they want to be in the images. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Okay. So for the people who are saying though, there's just, you know, how do I even find enough clients yeah. to do pet photography? You know, what do you, what would you say to them? You know, there are um, pets everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you just have to be able to work out a way to get to those people who love their pets. You know, uh, for people in the States, you have the highest pet ownership per capita in the world. And I will guarantee you in your town that there are enough clients out there for you to make a full-time living just shooting pets. Yeah, um, I agree. It, it's just how you reach them. That's the hard part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so can you talk a little bit about how, how you reach your clients? Yeah, absolutely. And how you, cause, so, cause it, wait, real quick, though, it seems like you have two parts to your – well, you have three parts to your business. You have the – pet owners. So someone like me who would contact you and say, we need portraits of Sunny. She's not doing great. And we want to get her while she's still, you know, out running around. Yep. You have your commercial part of your business. And then you have your education part where you teach other yep. photographers how to be pet photographers. So yeah. can you dive into how you find your clients? Sure. So with my private clients, you know, my regular portrait sessions, I have a couple of ways of reaching people. And usually that's some form of in-person events. I really struggle with phone calls and I also yeah. struggle with emails. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I like to be able to actually go and see people face to face. So I'll go to local events. So we, we have a few events in Christchurch every year that are really awesome dog related events. So we have like a, a couple of community dog walks. We have the pet expo here. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll have a little booth at the pet expo and just, just trying to connect face to face. 
And I've built over the years some really good relationships with a lot of local businesses as well. And, and that's been great for my awareness of my business in the community to get me my private clients. But also it's led me to lots of those kind of smaller commercial jobs with small businesses, which I I love doing those jobs with, with a single business owner where, you know, your images can make a big difference to them. Otherwise, they're just taking photos on their cell phone or they're buying terrible, terrible stock images for, (laughs) or, or, you know, downloading free ones, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's a, (laughs) anybody that does any commercial pet photography will know that there's a Jack Russell that is very, very cheap or free on, on many, many stock sites. and Jumping? Is he like jumping through the air? He's doing all sorts of different activities. I mean, the the (laughs) photographer who who shot this dog is clearly a genius and has probably made many, many, many dollars from from Mm -hmm. these images. But it's like the cheapest stock that you can buy. And and so, you know, you go, you, you walk around an expo, for example, and, you know, there's 50 local businesses there. And I can guarantee you see this Jack Russell 20 times at 20 of these businesses. Um, so, yeah, yeah. You know, so, yeah, just getting out, meeting face to face is, 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 I think, the, the best way to connect with people. When you speak to them face to face, you know, you can connect immediately and easily. They become much more at ease with you. They trust you much easily, much more easily when when you're face to face, then, you know, going backwards and forwards through email, you know, your tone can be interpreted in different ways in emails. So they don't really know who you are necessarily through email. And yeah, like I said, I just try and avoid the phone as much as I can, which probably isn't, (laughs) probably isn't the advice I should give. But yeah, I I hate doing phone calls. So yeah, face to face as much as possible. Um, Attend events. I always take my camera or, well, you know, nearly always take my camera and uh, I try and introduce myself to people and, and photograph the dogs on the day. And I just put a, I just put a gallery up on Facebook of images that I've taken at events. And I, honestly, like, yes, people are going to screenshot them and download them. I don't care. Like they're not, they're not my best work. They're taken at midday and a sunny day in the summer in New Zealand. The light's crap, you know, right. and they're just just little things. But if I can show them in a minute or two that I can connect with their animal, that I can get the dog looking up at me and I can take that kind of looking down puppy dog eyes shot and give them really nice eye contact and really glossy eyes, then they're going to be like, oh, if he's done that at an expo in the middle of the day in two minutes, what's it going to look like if we actually do a full hour and a half session with him. Right. Yeah. I love that. Giving them a little taste of it. Right. So yeah, giving them a little taster, making people feel at ease that I can actually make that connection with the animal. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest objection that I usually come across from people who are not sure about whether they want to book me or not. You know, it's price or it's, is he going to get on with my dog? Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I, I guess I'm talking more specifically about dogs because really it is, you know, 90 9% 9% dogs that I'm I'm working with. And so, yeah, if I can show that I can and their dog's going to like me and not be afraid of me or whatever, then that objection immediately goes away. And that's one of the reasons that um, several years ago, I introduced a pre-session consultation as well in person. So they can bring the dog to my consult room. So I shoot everything on location, pretty much all natural light. 
as well. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because some, some of your lighting that I've looked at, I'm like, there's no way he's doing studio light, but it's just, well, okay, and I was thinking, well, maybe is, but I don't know how you can, like, follow a dog around that's, like, jumping everywhere and have the studio lights placed perfectly, but it's like, right. you have some images where the dog is, like, popping out of the image, but then the background is also perfectly lit, and I was like, how the heck does he do that? So, I'm glad it's you brought just, that up. Yeah, it's just <laughs> knowing the light and, and knowing, you know, knowing the location, knowing the light is is really the, the way to do it. And so I do have like an ice light that I use occasionally. So right at the very end of the session when, you know, we got that kind of twilight time happening, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, if I, if I want to grab a couple of last shots, then sometimes I'll pull out an ice light, but really that's the only lighting that I use. And yeah, very rarely do, do I use it. So yeah, so I always meet the dog at the studio for a pre-session consult now. And immediately that objection of, is my dog going to like him goes away because I know that I'm going to be able to work with a dog, right? I know that I'm Mm -hmm. going to be able to work. And even if it is a nervous dog, I can still get amazing shots of it. And usually by the time we actually, you know, working through the session anyway, I am at a point where I've been able to build up a bit of a rapport and a relationship with the animal which is really helpful when I do that in the studio, in the consult space, before a session. Then when I get to the session, I think the dogs then are more comfortable with me. They remember who you are. They remember that you were the guy that gave them loads of treats when, <laughs> when, when they last saw you, all of that stuff. So that all kind of becomes much easier um, at the shoot, just to kind of change a little bit of the topic. So I, I do, I do do a lot of commercial work as well, but Mm -hmm. one of the things that I've done and I don't do it every time, but I I've done it before and it's been quite successful is if I've put a model call out for a commercial job and I'm always very careful with model calls as well. And that's something I would definitely advise people is, you know, don't just do a model call because you want business, make sure that your model calls are actually genuinely model calls for a reason. But if I put a model call out, occasionally what I've done in the past is if they haven't been successful at getting through to the actual being chosen to model for whatever brand or whatever it is, then I will just message them back and say, hey, um, sorry, you didn't get in. I, I've got a database of, of dog models. So I always ask them if they want to be on my database that so I can contact them in future but I also just say, hey, but would you like to come in for a consultation and, and actually think about booking a session anyway? Mm-hmm. And that's been surprisingly successful as well. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah, I, I just try and make sure that I'm super transparent with everything. I don't want to get to the point where we get to the image premiere and they are not prepared for the prices they're not prepared for the mm-hmm. products or whatever. So yeah. everything is sent out up front. I have pricing on my website. Yeah. Okay, so that's what I was going to ask you about next. Because on your website, you have your full pricing. Yeah. And I noticed that, I believe it's the middle package, it says most clients choose this, most clients yeah. pay this, or something along those lines. Yeah. And I really love that. I mean, it's, you know, part of like marketing 101, or I guess the psychology of marketing is 
like planting the seed that this is what most people do. And when right. people hear, oh, most people do that, well, then that's what I should do. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's and, a thing. And, and that's, not a, that's not a marketing thing and that's not a lie either. That is my package that 95% of my clients buy. Yeah, so I, I sell packages. I do sell a la carte as well. Nearly every client buys a package and it's nearly always that middle package. So it's $3,500 for my middle package. And that includes an album, a 30-inch canvas piece, and 10 high-res digital files. I also have a couple of upgrade options that they can do from there. And so I, I shoot I shoot a couple of different things that are a little bit more specialist. So I have my dog Aramas. So location and the dog are are the important things to me. And I always like to make sure that I'm taking the clients to a place that is meaningful and special to them. Now, within certain criteria, of course, so I'm not going to the dog park because going to a dog park on a dog shoot is an absolute nightmare. Right. Um, so if they say, oh, my dog's happy place is a dog park, I'll say, sure, I don't shoot at dog parks, but why don't we go to this park where I know that I'm going to be able to still get beautiful images. But um, I, so I make panoramic shots. So, you know, I'll, I'll take an image of the dog and then I'll shoot all the landscape around it and I'll merge it all together and I call it a dogorama. So from that middle package, they can upgrade their canvas to an acrylic dogorama for an extra $700. They can upgrade their acrylic to a fur reel, which is actually like an augmented reality. So, you know, you have an app on your phone and and you scan the the image and a little video plays of their dog playing in the fields or whatever it is. And and that I think is something that I've been doing recently. That's a, a really lovely way to share that legacy of their dog with them that they can have that memory kind of embedded in an image forever. And so Mm -hmm. they can do that upgrade as well. And so pretty much every client is buying my middle package and upgrading to a Dogorama or a Fur Reel, which, you know, then, you know, my average sale now for my private clients, I don't include my commercial clients in my average Mm -hmm. sale because commercial jobs are a whole different ball game and would skew their figures somewhat because, you know, often their jobs are a bit higher paid. Um, but for private clients, my average sale is $4,300 currently. That's so awesome. Um, in New Zealand too. In Yeah, well, that's New Zealand dollars. So, you know, it's not as valuable yeah. as your dollars. But, but hey, still, I mean, but, it's, you know, yeah, um, yeah you know, a, a $4,000 average sale is, you know, something that, well, certainly, you know, 15 years ago, I never thought I would be able to achieve. In, in oh, my, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Now, will you talk a little bit about commercial and just how how you get commercial clients? Yeah. So in a similar way to my private clients, a lot of my commercial clients are uh, from face-to-face meetings. So I work with lots of small businesses. And I like I said earlier, I love working with the small businesses because you can have a little bit of creative control and you can actually make a really big difference to the businesses. So I have like an introductory offer for small businesses that I do with those people that I really want to work with. And 
those jobs don't make huge money. Well, I mean, my my um my entry my entry point commercial job um sorry um my entry point commercial package is like a thousand dollars, and they get five images. Okay. Um, but connecting with those people, you have to think of the bigger picture in the commercial world. It's the commercial world is completely different to the private stuff, and you know these images that you're creating for a commercial job are probably going to be used more on a short term. They don't have that emotional connection with the images that they do if it was their pet. Although, you know, often, Mm -hmm. often a small business, you know, a single business owner, the working mum that makes doggy bandanas in the spare room during the week and sells them at the fairs and markets at the weekend, you know, often you will use their dog as a model as well. But, you know, the, the images are to do a job at the end of the day. So they don't have that emotional investment and they are going to need more images. So yes, it's only a thousand dollars for five images right now, but in six months time in a year's time, when they come back for more or you follow up with them and see if they need any more images, um, the value of that client over the, the course of their, the lifetime of that client is so worthwhile Mm -hmm. and to be able to help build these people's businesses through your images and grow their businesses you know you you also don't know where that's going to take them in the future and one day they might be a a big business with big money to spend and they're going to still come to you because you've been there since the start and they trust you and they know you so So, smart so yeah so I, I again when I attend expos I'll often go and connect with other businesses that I know are small businesses that I want to connect with, that I believe in, that I love the product, that I'm genuinely interested in in working with. Not just, you know, I don't just go to everybody and try and, you know, talk to everybody. I try and make sure that I talk to the people who I actually want to talk to. And if it's something like an expo, I'll take a printed letter and, you know, a PDF of my introductory offer and I'll take them a little box of cakes, brownie, chocolate brownies, or, you know, and say, you know, because these expos, you you know, (laughs) they are busy, intense three days or, you know, whatever of nonstop talking. You don't often get a chance to take a break. You don't often get to go, go and, you know, wander around yourself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, here's a little sugar hit to get you through the next couple of hours (laughs) and just, you know, doing something nice for them, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and then that, that gets a conversation going. And again, you know, at events like that, it's not always possible to talk business then, but you know, can I call you next week and maybe we can arrange to meet for a coffee. And and so that's how I've built my commercial side of the business. And I guess from working with those smaller businesses, you know, you start to build a client list, you start to build a, a commercial portfolio, and then the larger businesses start to notice you. Right. Um, you know, if you want to, well, you know, in the pet world, you know, your pedigrees and your Purinas are, are the big guys. It's nigh on impossible to reach somebody there in the marketing department that's going to book you directly. Mm-hmm. You know, those come through agencies and they'll come to you, those kind of jobs. Uh, and so when you've, when you've started doing some of that kind of smaller level commercial work and, and you get recognized for that, then some of the kind of middle-sized businesses might start coming to you. 
And that's how it's kind of happened for me is that, you know, I've done that small stuff. Some of the middle-sized guys that maybe are not, um, they're not international brands, but they're New Zealand brands that they are in stores all across New Zealand that, you know, they've come to me and I've done packaging for them. And then, you know, I got the messages from Mars and Nestle saying, hey, we've got this brand of dog food and we need a photographer. Send us a quote. Um, So, yeah, you know. Right. I I have maybe two or three big commercial jobs a year. That's that's probably enough for me, you know. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is what is your – like split between what you do. Yeah. Uh, Well, I guess that's changed quite a lot in the last couple of years because I started doing um, workshops and things like that in 2016, but over the last... Workshops helping other photographers. Yeah, exactly. Um, But over the last couple of years, I've teamed up with a friend of mine, Charlotte Reeves, and we started um, Unleashed Education, which is our online education business. So we do our in-person workshops and we teach online with that. So a lot of my time is spent on Unleashed now. So I have started reducing the amount of, of client shoots I'm doing to allow time for Unleashed. But I'm still doing uh, – my, well, my business model was always based on shooting two, two sessions a week. You know, two sessions a week and my average sale always needed to be $2,500 for the last 10 years. And so that's always what my business model has been based on. Uh, Of course, my average sale is now higher, so I don't need to shoot twice a week. But um, yeah, I'm I'm shooting three or four sessions a month at the moment. And I'm doing, yeah, I'm still doing the same kind of amount of commercial work. And I'm doing all my adoption shoots still as well. So I'm, I'm shooting for clients and adoption work, maybe 10 shoots a month. Yeah, that um, sounds perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the rest of my spine time is spent um, doing the education stuff, and yeah, um, yeah I have lots of. Sounds like um, a nice balance. Yeah, it is a nice balance, and you know, I wanted to make sure when when Charlotte and I teamed up together for Unleashed that I didn't just become a full time educator. I still want to be able to work with clients like that. That's what I love to do. You know, I love to connect with these people and their dogs and still shoot client work. So I didn't want to lose sight of that to start doing the education stuff in a more, uh, I don't know if serious way is the right word, but, you know, in a greater capacity uh, and taking on a lot more in the, in the education space. So, yeah, so I've found a really nice balance of the two really. And, and, I love all, like the, the, this is the dream now for me. I think, you know, all aspects of this business that I'm doing, I just absolutely love every minute of it. And mm-hmm. yeah, I can photograph dogs. I can talk about dogs. I can help other people build mm-hmm. their businesses and, and build their creative skills in this industry as well. And it's just, um, yeah, perfect. Really. I'm absolutely loving it. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. Very cool. Sounds like an amazing, amazing balance. Yeah. I th- and, you know, and I think just in general, as photographers, you know, we we have that power to build the life that we want to live. Yes. And, you know, we can shoot in any way we want. We can use any business model we want. But to to use what we do and what we're passionate about doing to build a life for ourselves is something that not everybody gets to do. 
Exactly. And I'm very exactly. grateful for the fact that I'm at, at this point in my career, it's basically an obsession. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, what I'm doing is my obsession and I get to make a living doing it and, and travel the world doing it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah very, very awesome. grateful for the opportunities. Yeah, very cool. Well, thanks for sharing everything with us. This has been really, really great. And I hope that people listening who have ever had kind of doubts about whether or not it was possible to do pet photography will really kind of take this to heart. Yeah, absolutely. You just have to know the animals and find the clients and Mm -hmm. yeah, you can do it. Cool. Well, thank you. This has been wonderful. Thanks for having me. It's been fun talking to you. Oh my gosh, I almost forgot to ask you the questions that I always ask at the end of each episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I have a couple more questions. And the first one is, what is something you can't live without when you're doing a photo shoot? Uh, Noisemakers. Ah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, dog photographers, camera bag looks probably a little bit different to to other photographers in that, you know, not only is it covered in mud and God knows what else from dogs and (laughs) all the rest of it, but we have... um, Noisemakers, squeakers, squeaky toys, balls, poo bags, um, uh-huh. bottles of water, um, and treats. So, but yeah, noisemakers are, are really, really handy. I have a duck caller that um, is probably the most useful one, I think, for getting a duck caller attention. A duck caller. Yeah, and then the the yeah. duck or the dog just kind of like looks right yeah. at you when it you do gives, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you when you blow that duck caller and it makes the quacking noise, the dog kind of goes oh. And you, you know, you get a good expression and a nice reaction. Yeah. Um, but awesome. they get bored easily, so you can't overuse the sounds. So wow, it's like kids, that's a you good know. point. They yeah. get bored easy, yeah. Yeah. And another thing with kids, you know, you, you ask a, a thing or you make a sound or you tell a joke and it's funny the first three times and then they're <laughs> over it and, and dogs are not any different to that. Yep. So, yeah. That's funny. I love it. All right. Number two is how do you spend your time when you're not working? I just like to chill out and do very little. I love watching TV. I've always been really passionate about music. So listening to music, but also going to live shows, going to musical theater. Um, we, we see basically any show that comes locally. And, and actually we we travel a lot to to see different things at the theatre as well, and yeah, just a bit of yoga and relaxation and downtime, spending yeah, time with my boys lovely. and and my husband, and just doing really boring normal stuff. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, uh, number three is what is your favorite inspirational quote? If in doubt, apply more glitter. Mm, and that I is like um, <laughs> that is a quote from my absolute favorite singer of all time, Kylie Minogue. And mm. um, <laughs> and really, that quote is about being yourself. And in my, um, I have an online course um, which is about finding who you are as an artist, finding your style, and not being afraid to to express yourself creatively. And that kind of if in doubt, apply more glitter. That glitter is is you. That's your uniqueness, yeah. your sparkle, yeah. uh, and making yourself um, who you are, and not be afraid to show that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's my that's my favorite quote. Definitely. Oh, I love it. It's a great quote. 
There was a the quote that I did when someone interviewed me. I think it was when Christina Weichel interviewed me, but I had said it was um oh, okay, wait. It's a quote for some from some movie that I've never even seen. But it was something like if you have a hunchback, put a little glitter on it, honey, and go dancing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. like, I love that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, whatever. You know, um, when when we're young, um, all those things that make us different and stand out, they're kind mm-hmm. of, you know, they're things that we're afraid of that, mm-hmm. you know, probably the things that we got bullied for or, you know, whatever. And, and they can be places uh, of trauma for us, you know. Yeah, I, I used absolutely. to... I mean, I never really hid who I was. I was always, um, I was always myself when I was young, but it did lead to, you know, lots of depression, self harm, you know, attempt to, uh, I attempted suicide, um, and you know, and it led to some really dark places. But now I'm here. I'm in my forties, and all of those things that I was afraid of being, even though I couldn't really hide them. Um, when I was young are all the things that are now my, my biggest strengths that the things that I like about myself the most. Um, so yeah, yeah. Throw glitter on anything that makes you different. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, oh wait, no, I have one more. Sorry. One more question. (laughs) Why do I keep getting (laughs) this end of the, yeah. Okay. Uh, actually I have two more, but this one is what would you tell people who are just starting out? Oh my goodness. Um, so many things. Um, what can I say that it's not going to take me half an hour to explain? <laughs> That's okay. Um, it does. So if you're starting out and pet photography is your thing, I, I think absolutely I would follow through and say knowing a bit about body language and behavior mm-hmm. um, is really, really important. You know, the technical skills, the um, photography, your style, all that is going to come with time. But if you start out with a good knowledge of pets and how to read their body language, then that's going to make all of that other stuff flow much easier. Yeah, that's so important. Just like posing. I mean, if you can't, okay, unless you're doing documentary lifestyle, okay, other than that. But if you're doing portraits where people want, like have no idea what to do with their bodies and they're like, help me, you have got to learn how to pose. And I feel like it's the exact same for animals. Yeah, for sure, yeah. like you said, to check their stress level and their comfortability and all of that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. And where can people find you online, Craig? Um, okay. So you can find me at photography NZ on Instagram and Facebook. Um, okay. I or, just want to say for us Americans, NZ is NZ. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. NZ. Just for that is in case anybody doesn't know what that yeah, means. So, yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's Facebook, Instagram or um, photography.com co.nz is my website and all my education stuff with charlotte is at unleashed.education and on socials it's unleashed.ed unleashed.ed on on instagram and, and facebook for for the education stuff perfect awesome well, thank you again. I'm excited to meet you in New I can't Zealand wait till you're in here August. In New Zealand and we can have a cheeky cocktail together or something. Oh, I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm so excited. I've never been to New Zealand, so this will be my first oh, time. I think, yeah, I think you're going to love it. Um, Christchurch is is gorgeous. I, I love living oh, here. I've been here. Uh, how long have I been here? Since 2009, however long that is now. Okay. Um, and yeah, I absolutely love living down here. My yes. husband's been. He went on a big BMX trip. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot of 
places for good riding here for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I haven't. So when they yeah. asked me to speak, I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. tell me when and I'll be there. So yeah. very cool. That will be fantastic. We'll have a great few days together. Yes, 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 yes. I know. I told. I, I said this to you earlier on Facebook, but I was like, I'm going to be Richard Shadow because I don't. I don't know. I've, you know, <laughs> I've been know a whole lot of people. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely know some people because, like, the, the portrait system has a really amazing big community of Kiwis yeah, and, is, and Aussies, yeah. and it's just it's. I can't wait to meet some of them. And, and some of them have come to like Portrait Masters conferences, and I've been able to meet here, you know, yeah. WPPI or whatever. But it will be uh, so cool to meet so many people yeah. in New Zealand. I've been yeah. talking to lots of uh, locals about it, and and there are a lot of people that are very excited you're coming. So oh, you good. won't have any shortage of friends when you're here. Oh, that's so good to hear. You never know. Like, do people really want me? Do they really oh, they want do. me there? Like, I don't know. Do. You just get in your own head, I guess. So, yeah. 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 That's exciting. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And I'm sure I'll talk to you some, some point yeah, before I'm then. Sure but yeah. yeah, awesome. All right. Thanks, Thanks Nikki. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-Day Startup Challenge plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business lighting PDFs. I mean, truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and 8 frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.